Welcome to the Cinephile His Good Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tiring film movie debate hosted by two film critics. Cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. Oh, oh, sorry. I was making out with a deer head. My bad. Oh, yeah. Or a wolf's head or whatever the fuck. I don't know what I was making out with, but that sounds like my uh, college life. I'm Will Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're sure passions and high fives wash away any plates for eight. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the kisses are on. Yeah. Um, this week we're talking about everyone's favorite uh taxidermy makeout movie, The Cabin <laughs> in the Woods by Drew Goddard. Recommended to us by um kind of we both had a mutual whore blind spot here. So uh I saw you watch it and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna chase it down and watch it too. I've been meaning to watch it for a long time. Um, I, I appreciate what Drew Goddard does as a I'm like all right let me see what you can do with the director's chair and uh I feel like we landed on a bit of a turd here so yeah yeah uh recommending lover I guess is me with a whole three stars I'm gonna go first with five unearthed minutes to shower what praise I can sprinkle and state a high-minded case for admiring a piece or two here and there uh the hater will follow with uh, five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth or hand coming out to destroy the world after that we will open it up for about 30 minutes to share a conversation where the hits of it really gets chippy so um place your bets get on the board and let's go um so cabin in the woods i got the first five huh yeah you sure do good luck uh, all right so cabin in the woods um no i had um I, being the non-whore guy, I, I, it wasn't something that I was going to chase down. I knew of it, of course. And, uh, um, I think the thing that drew me to like being, well, should I watch it or not? Was probably the presence of Chris Hemsworth. This was the same year, if I remember correctly, as Thor. Um, this came out, I assume like a horror movie does in, in April. So it would have been a month before, um, would have been a month before Thor where like, all right, what's this kid got? And, uh, and, um, I, I didn't, I, I skipped it then. I, I avoided it now. I, it's probably it's one of those movies that I allowed to be spoiled for me. Things to like YouTube clips where someone says, "Hey, just go to the end. You know, watch all the shit go crazy at the end." And um, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad I saw that because I'm. I guess I'm glad the movie was spoiled for me because I'm watching the movie progress as it does with its, you know, um, its two pronged setting between the whatever the underground laboratory going on with our engineers, uh, Gary and Steve. And then obviously whatever, uh, is happening on top side of this cabin, which I, again, I, I, maybe this is also the part of me that is not really built for this movie is because I don't know all the horror homages that are going on there. The, the Sam Raimi-ness of what they're trying to kind of emulate and, and tip the hat to. I just see dumb teenager, you know, you know, the people of sex are dying first. I see, I see the haze coat playing out in 2011. I'm like, are we past this? Um, but I, the intriguing part that kind of had me still in it was like, all right, let's see where this laboratory part goes because, um, because Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford are, are slimy enough and, and, and intriguing enough, you know, uh, that guy kind of actors where I, I I'm in for what they were doing. Like I would watch an entire movie of, of more them observing and watching something going on than having to spend any time with the college students that are in the, the cabin because all of their decisions are just ridiculous. So they, but the, by the time this movie kind of blossoms and coalesces and you get the picture of what's going on of some kind of ritual, some kind of experiment, something that has a global level of, of all of this, uh, contained and, 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 you know, and, um, 
in interred, so to speak, uh, demonic this and, and monsters that where it just I get the concept of of mixing a little voyeurism, mixing a little mythology with a horror movie. But this is and you hate when I use this term, but this is completely 10 pounds of sugar in a five pound bag. Like it, it's this is a this is an entire package of cocktail napkins scribbled on with great ideas. Like, what if we put this in the movie? And then what if we put this in the movie? And what if we put this in the movie? And it's, it's just a lot. Um, I, it's intriguing it, enough where uh, it's, it, it counts as a really, really borrowed original idea, so to speak, that, that has some, some wildness to it. Like it, it is unpredictable when you watch it the first time, other than what you think can go on in the end. But I mean, it still falls for the same ridiculousness where, if you've got a really good original concept, let some original things happen with it or subvert a little bit of that. I mean, you can, or I don't know, just balance what you're subverting with what you're tributing with homage. If you can do that in an interesting way where you've got these big ideas, but they're happening in a different way, um, then what would be the norm of just, you know, teenage, you know, death, uh, do something with that. And I, you get to the end of that and it still feels like, the napkins overflowed and the, all the big ideas are kind of just out there without, without a lot of, without a lot of have to make them matter because maybe we spent too much time just grinding in the, you know, the, the horror movie part in the cabin. So I would take this movie if I could and flip it where you just happen to observe these kids that may or may not come into play in the end. And you just stay in that laboratory of just trying to hold back the, whatever the ritual and whatever the evil is underneath. Like I, I was more fascinated with the underground than anything in topside. Um, where if you yeah if you want a movie that can kind of bend a little bit more I, I i show me that story because that's that's where you got us that's where you really have us interesting that's where you're that's where you're really challenging some some tropes and some things but when you still spend the majority of your running time doing the same old shit that everyone else does forever it's i don't know um great idea shitty execution i guess i have to say there oh i have to ding sorry there it is there it is Okay, so I definitely agree with you on the whole uh, bad delivery of great concept. I, I do think the concept for this film is fantastic. Um, I just think the delivery of that is severely lacking. Um, the number of factors going against that. This is, I believe, Drew Goddard's directorial debut. Um, I think it's a little too complex and cerebral of an idea for a first-time director. I mean, it can be it can be done, but just looking at his, uh, you know, his, his very small filmography. Cause I, I did enjoy uh, good time, bad times, the El Royale or whatever the hell it was called. Um, I did enjoy that movie. Um, it's, he doesn't quite have that ability yet to really pack in the content in a fluid manner. I mean, this movie is just over an hour and a half, but it feels very long. Um, and and that also has to do with, you know, it's tough not to watch this in a post Joss Whedon is a scumbag world, you know, where, you know, we kind of the things we used to see as strengths in his writing, you know, at one point are now definitely weaknesses based on his personal character. Um, and that obviously this movie is filled with Joss Whedonisms. You know, um, obviously some clever dialogue and some chuckle moments, but um, for the most part, I, I just think the 
the um, I'm not going to say amateurishness, but the beginnerness of the director coupled with um, a script that is overloaded with concepts and ideas uh, and someone who's um, we've kind of seen behind the, uh, the curtain a little bit on, on how they are uh, definitely hurts. And, and, and I also think we've talked about this with other things before. I mean, I, I just watched this for the first time, you know, right before Halloween. Um, you know, you've got the hype around it. You know, people have been telling me this is amazing film for 12 years now, 13 years. Um, and you know, that carries its own expectations. I know we hate expectations around here, but you can't help it. If someone's telling you this is this amazing thing and people keep talking about it, you can't help, but you know, even when you're trying your best to to look at it in a vacuum, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, but you know, having seen it, there's kind of been two amazing meta eras of horror you know um you know scream and and technically i guess you know west craven's new nightmare right before it and then to be honest my i am a fanboy but you know the jordan peele deconstruction of horror um you know when you see something like a get out and us and a nope it's it's tough to watch this and see maybe how innovative maybe it was at the time like i said a lot of joss whedon stuff kind of has aged poorly, but you know, at the time I just remember being like, Oh God, I love Firefly and Serenity and the Avengers is so witty. And like, you know, you, you, you kind of were blind to it and now it just hasn't really aged as well. It's like a lot of things in movies. Sometimes they don't age well. They don't do well over time, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's tough to have see those other prime examples of horror deconstruction uh, and then go to this, which happened in between them. This is 2011. You know, Scream is in the late 90s and uh, Jordan Peele stuff is 2017 onwards. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's, it is it is difficult to maybe see that step. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that there's a lot going on here that could be better with a little bit more experience. Um Drew Goddard obviously has written some interesting screenplays, you know, he's, and he's uh, definitely, he's definitely influenced by uh, his fellow filmmakers because, you know, um, this one has a a very obvious Sam Raimi feel to it uh, amongst many other things. I mean, we've got like Cthulhu gods and all kinds of shit going on in this movie, but um, you know, kind of the essence of it, maybe the, the genesis of the idea came from, uh, playing with the Sam Raimi Evil Dead formula, and uh, you know Bad Times at the El Royale, which is a movie I I, I did enjoy quite a bit. Um, you know the main criticism of that was that it was essentially you know uh, a Tarantino ripoff in terms of structure and stuff like that. So I, I would like to I, I wouldn't mind this idea coming back again, uh, maybe in another ten years. This seems like something that deserves another crack if we're going to remake everything let's remake this and uh, take it from a different angle or get some more experience or whatever but um on a whole just um with all the hype with the joss whedon of it all with the influences the director with everything in it it just it just ended up not working for me uh at all Ah, uh, nicely done. Hang tight, 
and please enjoy this short announcement from the Ruminations Radio Network. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, no, I like what you said about um, the idea of concept and the time in which to do it and the town in which to do it. I think you're right where in 2011 with the superhero push coming in and I think the 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 in-between section that horror was like we were before Ari Aster and Robert Eggers where things were going to get existential in a hurry and dark and more pagan and simple and slow um where this was obviously horror with a gas pedal going on here to you know pedal the metal um where Resident Evil for example had kind of run its course like Doom and some of those video game things have kind of run their course and here comes this like hey here we're going to put these really familiar things in here as uh, as sprinkled sprinkles on the donut and hey like it you know hang with us we'll show you some cool stuff but like there's not a lot to you know not a lot to get you there for when the because the big finale is fucking awesome like the the last 20 minutes of this movie are yeah. are, are a blast. You know, they're fun. They're fun. And it's, they're it's, fun. It's nice to see the, this is kind of like what we talked about in our Stan Winston episode, like whereas the Monster Squad had to pay homage to the Universal Monsters, but not make them like this. You could see like, oh, okay, that's the Exorcist. Okay, oh, that's, yeah. that's the Evil Dead. Oh, that's Pinhead, but it's not Pinhead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was some cool little like, if you're a horror fan, like you could spot, you know, some or moments, you know, or how many movies nowadays, thanks to like, well, maybe it's expensiveness and whatnot, or just the like the indie vibe of like, I don't want to say mumblecore influences or even the, you know, the even the Robert Eggers and, and um, you know, uh, tell don't show influences of horror now, like how many movies dangle this and never like really let it blow, you know, really let it go loose. And this movie for for to its credit has that battle royale ending that we don't get that often. I mean, how many movies like, you know, leave you just hanging before it really, the shit really hits the fan. Like from dusk till dawn, like does this, like from dusk till dawn, the shit hits the fan and the thing, everything turns into vampires and it's crazy. And even when you get to the end of that movie and you're like, yeah. shit, they're on top of a Mayan or Aztec temple where there's, <laughs> there's, you know, there's like another level of, Oh shit, this could keep going if we wanted to. And even this movie has a level of, Oh shit, that we, it could keep going if we want to where, uh, not and I'm not again. I'm not as horror versus as you are, but like, sure. To, to, to its credit, I haven't seen a movie like this have a concept that is that is kind of sitting on and allows it to really blow up since like from dusk till dawn, where mm-hmm. the first you know 30, 40, 30, 45 minutes of the movie are 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 a rambling Tarantino road thing, you know, and then all of a sudden, fuck, it's vampires, and it, it it's just it it goes off the chain in a great way. And this movie, once you get to the weight, this is like hell's monsters of all every single shape and size like this has something going on to it but it's still i'm with you uh, there's an experience level of like i uh <laughs> here i'll use one of our turns from the show there's no load management here this is just full <laughs> this is full bukkake this is just oh blow it all up this is everything yeah. i've got uh you know i'm it, you can tell goddard's like i got this big screenplay i put all my ideas into it and this is all i've got where well, i bet uh i bet this concept today would be an ass kicking, you know, myth, myth, myth building like miniseries, like the way that they're trying to sure. build like the monarch monster stuff now over at Warner Brothers, or if they're trying to 
do stranger things or like or, or even like american horror story where you anthologize uh a heavy here and a heavy there each season and, tr- and change it up the, like this might have been just bad timing too because yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta remember i mentioned kind of two eras of film i, I talked about scream you're right and, and that thing that went in and then jordan peele like 2011 so we're just getting off of the torture porn era, you know, the hostels, the saws. I mean, they're, right. they're still around, but they're dying off. And we are deep into heavy uh, remake territory. Yeah. Now, where, like, I yeah. mean, if you look at between 2004 and 2010, you've got remakes of Dawn of the Dead, Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. Black Christmas, Halloween, My Bloody Valentine's, Friday yeah. the 13th, The Wolfman, uh, Nightmare oh. on Elm Street. Uh, uh-huh. Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I yeah. Spit on Your Grave. I mean, those are all remakes. So, yeah. I mean, horror is in a glut. Now, mm-hmm. the problem is, is when you look at, when you look at Scream, you know, 96, um, you know, uh, two major horror franchises just had, not flops, but like, were just basically released in theaters, like at the bottom of the barrel, like, uh, Hellraiser, uh, Bloodline, and Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. You know, like, I mean, this was the death knell of the franchise horror. Mm-hmm. And there really wasn't a lot going on. But Scream kind of had the perfect momentum because it was like, okay, this genre we're commenting on is just dying now. And yeah. we're going to comment on all the 80s and early 90s franchise horror films with Scream. And it was kind of perfect timing. It was the perfect, you know, uh, chaser to the bitterness of what was happening to that kind of horror realm. You know, at 2011, you know, there's really no other than the scary movies, you know, franchises that were making fun of them. I mean, there really was no like reason to like, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? something with a D uh, deconstruct. There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't any need to deconstruct torture porn. There wasn't any deconstru- deconstruction needed of uh, horror remakes. So mm-hmm. this kind of feels like a deconstruction of the eighties slasher films, but like 10 years too late. Right. Um, and it's also you know, by, 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 like you said, with like pinhead and stuff like that, by, by having all the, homages without the full cred like to grab that full nostalgia ballsy thing like it, we are kind of watching the dollar store wish version of like sure some spirit, of these great spirit act- of halloween like yeah when, yeah yeah you know like when it you know spirit of halloween you go to buy the costume and it says like right bur- burned guy with christmas sweater you know uh-huh. freddie krueger yeah. but um like, imagine if they just spent a little more money or or grabbed enough licensures to like really have the showdown like it would be it would just go over a lot better well, and so and you bring up one thing that i'm not a, a very um up to date with I, I am i have seen two out of three of the ari asters i'm really behind on the egger stuff but when you look at the Eggers, the Astors, and the Jordan Peels, yeah, that's another perfect timing kind of thing. Um, yeah, and, and because of that, because horror for so long had those tropes that were never addressed. Only like it, seriously, only in stuff like Scary Movie, where it was like, oh yeah, the black guy always dies first. Like they, th- these guys were able to tap into either something that. Uh, like you said, with like the witch or the lighthouse or even 
hereditary, like something like primordial, something mm-hmm. kind of like the darker soul of reality. Cause like, yeah, they're, they're not outright supernatural films. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, this, totally. Whereas and, this is fantastical as it gets. And, uh, and we are in a time now, um, where, you know, we are looking at things like race in our country, you know, like how mm-hmm. those things play in terms of not only like, I mean, we see this as educators, not only in the way we teach history, but, you know, also the, the tropes that exist in our media. And I think like those three guys, especially Jordan Peele, just came at the right time, just like Scream did, where it's time to deconstruct this stuff. Yeah, uh, like I kind of feel like Cabin in the Woods just kind of exists in this weird vacuum, you know, like where it's, you know, we're also not yet in that IP era yet. So like there's not mm-hmm. that like uh, it's it's not something as egregious as like a Space Jam, a new legacy where it's like right. you know, Warner Brothers is like, OK, we have all these properties. Let's make sure we shove them in the movie. You know, it, it's not that egregious, but there's the fan culture isn't really you know, we're still in kind of a, the, I mean, Comic-Con's a thing and and fan culture is a thing, but it's not the way it is now. Like where it's so online and so pervasive that it can literally affect, you know, how a movie performs, you know, like I feel like fan culture is still like this, this level of fanboying over something that is long lost at this point in time for Captain of the Woods is, you know, kind of just missed time. I, I think timing and experience are the two keys here to make mm-hmm. a successful film. Well, play, well, play fantasy caster here, armchair, armchair studio mogul. Um, sure. what do you put here instead of like, if you can chase back to 2011, do you, I mean, where was Sam Raimi at to just go ahead and be full Raimi? Where was Sam Raimi in 2011? Well, I mean, I mean, he's at this point, he's studio guy. I mean, he's making like the wizard of Oz shit. Like, yeah, like, oh, you know this would I mean? have been the yeah, that's right. The great and powerful Oz, right? I mean, 2013. I, Drag Me to Hell was 2009. Yeah, could he have fit this one in there? And that was his. That was just kind of his brief. My one for me, uh, like right? it was. Yeah, it was his brief. Like, hey, I just did three massive Spider-Man movies, so like, let mm-hmm. me kind of go back to my roots a little bit and make Drag yeah. Me to Hell. But then, yeah, he did Oz the Great and Powerful, and then he took almost 10 years off before he did Dr. Strange. So mm-hmm. he's kind of in the ether. You know, he's, yeah. he's stuck in the studio system. I think another know? guy, I think another guy who would play the science or um, kind of social commentary level of it really well, if he wasn't a studio guy would be like a guy like Andrew Nichol, who did like Lord of mm. War, Gattaca, Truman show. Like mm. I know he wouldn't be the full horror level guy that we would hope for, but like he was too busy making in time at the same time as this. So yeah, that's not a guy. Um, you could go with, um, what else would be fun here? Th- th- there could be a guy like, uh, a, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name or how to pronounce his first name. He's French, uh, Alexandre Aja. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he kind of did a couple of throwbacks, you know, like he kind of did Piranha 3D. He did Crawl, which I Those think Crawl, eyes. Yeah. I think Crawl is one of the most underrated creature features. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but uh, it's fantastic. He kind of feels like it, at a lower budget is able to tap into some of these. Yeah. Like, like Piranha so, 3D is is kind of. 2010. He did Horns with with uh, Danny Radcliffe. Which, in is a, which is a Joe Hill. have been there. Yeah. Horns is a Joe Hill story with, you know, Stephen King's son. So that's kind of a, 
you know, legacy piece, I guess you could yeah. say. Um, and crawl is excellent, but yeah, he, he might've been an interesting choice because I think that he would have, cause like, uh, when I think of crawl and, uh, piranha 3d, like I think of, yeah, there's obviously a little bit of excess here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's back to basics, like playing with tropes, you know, crawl is kind of like jaws, but with mm-hmm. alligators, it's quite excellent. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of that year. So I, I don't know. He might have been a good one, and he he obviously has. You know, he did his remakes. He paid. You know, yeah. he paid his dues there. Um, I, I go to James Wan, and he was doing Insidious in 2010, and then he was off of the races between that and The Conjuring, where he was no, he was not coming back, and yeah, then became yeah. Studio Guy with the Furious series. Um, who did? Oh, and by the what's, way, what's James uh, Gunn doing in 2011? Crawl was Super also produced produced yeah. by. Sam Raimi, by the way. Go figure. Um, but no, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, yeah. there's probably a lot of... I would hope somebody... Well, a good hired hand in there, you know? There's a lot of indie horror directors I don't know. Yeah. Katie would definitely know them more than I would. But um, there's definitely some 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 people out there. Those are just kind of the ones that pop into my head. But... Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's that's the tough part, is because regardless of whatever Whedon is, you know, no matter yeah. how some of his work ages poorly... Um, you know, he is a great dialogue guy. That's true. Um, you know, one thing I've kind of noticed, you know, cause he does this in his Avengers movies. He does this, uh, all the time. And he does this in Serenity, Firefly. I- I've never really watched Buffy. He always has at least one scene where everyone's sitting around like a coffee table or on a couch and they have these kind of fun conversations. But, you know, the 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 part of the movie that really works is the part you liked. Uh, you know, the Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford are excellent. Like they're really mm-hmm. good. They really sell this. Uh, they sell it to a degree. I, I think. See that that's the tricky part too. Is if you have a really good script, like the goofiness of this would be able to be sold pretty easily. But I yeah. just don't buy that there that this like there is like this. Um, you know, industry of like ham and eggers, you know, working for the, working for the Cthulhu beasts, you know, like it just doesn't, it doesn't pan out at the end. Like I'm totally, I totally believe it in the beginning. Like in the beginning, I'm like, okay, cool. These are, these guys are doing what they got to do for whatever reason. We don't know what it is. It's just that the ending kind of lets you down, but Mm. at least until you get to that reveal and you realize why they're doing what they're doing and everything kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, which is not to say that even my favorite guy, Jordan Peele, like, you know, sometimes when you think about like us, which I love, like, if you really think about us, it kind of falls apart when you really think about it, but that's not necessarily a thing in itself, but without a Joss Whedon though, you're not going to get those two, um, you know, having that great repartee and wittiness and yeah. You know, this would, and, and this would be flatter without Joss's involvement. It would, be very, sure. it would be very flat on the dialogue front. Yeah. Um, the mythology front, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, great pull getting Sigourney Weaver in there. Nice um, get. Makes That's a sense. good get. I you heard know, Jamie Lee Curtis was approached where obviously that'd be a fun, you know, oh, or, sure. or homage and a torch pass, but you can't, you know, Sigourney's just fine too. Yeah. And sadly, I think, sadly, this is the state of women in film. I think. After I watched this film, I was looking at my letterbox stats. I still don't have any women in my top watched actors yet, but 
I think Sigourney and Scarlett Johansson are like right there, like twenty six films, twenty seven well, films, I, something like that. I mean, I, you, but, you you did that deep dive in Michelle Yeoh, who can't be terribly far behind either. I think I'm at like twenty one with her, twenty two, something like that. Like, but it's I'm just saying it's like yeah, I, this film which I didn't even know had her in it, like finally put her close to like somebody like Bruce Willis or something. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of sad, you know, like yeah. just that I still don't have a woman on that top actors list, but it's just, that's just the way of the game, unfortunately, but that's neither here nor there for this conversation. But yeah, Sigourney Weaver is a nice kid. It, it adds that gravitas that you need. A Sigourney Weaver always adds a gravitas to a situation. I take things more seriously when she's around. Um, you know, I believe things a lot more when she's explaining it. She's just got that gravitas to her. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I just couldn't, um, yeah, I couldn't really just buy into the ending either. I, as fun as it is, no, nothing, trust me, nothing, you know, gets me harder than seeing like a bunch of things come out of an elevator and oh, have yeah. blood slaughtering everywhere. It reminds me of yeah. old Peter Jackson movies, you know, but Definitely. yeah, just it, the, the mythos of it didn't work for me. Um, I also think they, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, there's so many there were so many moments where i was like oh that is a great avenue to go down like i love the idea that chris hemsworth is like this sociology major who's actually really smart Mm -hmm. but once he's thrown into the scenario he suddenly becomes the yeah the himbo the the himbo jock football player who doesn't respect women you know and you're like Mm -hmm. and they even comment on that they're like you know like when was he like this? I don't even remember yeah. him like this, but they're all kind of falling under that spell. I know they, they kind of make up the excuse of, you know, there's pheromones and all kinds of shit being used, but you know, I just, there's so many ideas. Like when you put it on paper, it's like, Oh, that's so cool. The, the, the whole uh, moral dilemma at the end, you know, where she's like, okay, I'm going to kill the stoner guy because it's either him or, you know, the world goes up in flames, you know, like that, that mm-hmm. seems like a cool thing. And they kind of backtrack on that. There's just a lot of either pulled punches or things that avenues they didn't yeah. go down. And then they went full bent into some of the stuff that doesn't yeah. work. The the big leaps, the choices of big leaps. You're, you're definitely right. Where it's just, I, yeah, I, I, I like what you said between unexplored avenues versus the weird leaps they took. Just, I, I don't like, I'm not normally one of those people that says the word uneven when talking about a movie, review, sure, movie sure. or movie review, but it, this one, this one's close to it for sure. Yeah. I, so missed opportunity, bad timing, uh, not the right amount of experience, maybe the yeah. wrong people behind it. You know, just, I don't know, just, it just seems like, uh, but you know what? I mean, we, we appear to be in the minority. Because no, it's a big hit everywhere. Yeah, this is a well-loved movie. I mean, this is a huge hit with people. I mean, if you go on Letterboxd, I mean, uh, at least of all the people I follow, like I probably have the lowest rating, you know, of of all of right. them. Um, and 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 everyone was telling me because I I because I watched it on Tubi, so I or did I watch it on Tubi? I think I watched it on Tubi, so I had commercials. So yeah. like, I always pause and make some commentary while the commercials are on. And I think I said something like, what the fuck am I watching? Because I had no idea what was going on the first sure. 30 minutes. And people were like, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. And then, and then I was like, well, I wanted to put a little Chris Hemworth in there and go, was it though? Was it? I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was yeah. kind of like, what, are, what, are, what, am I, what am I missing here? I, I feel I, like I'm missing something. I feel like, and we maybe have talked about this, where 
artifice and criticism kind of become enamored with each other We're like this is on the thousand one movies to see before you die book i'm like really you can't is, is it really anymore. it is oh i guess um, i can knock that off the list i have that on my box list yeah. I, okay fair but, enough uh, but no i think this is one of those where and i i, I again i see this way too much with my my hoity-toity peers where if you dazzle somebody with concept regardless of ex- execution the reward concept um then that's like that and that that's top to bottom from fancy auteurs down to B movies where um like the just the idea of tree of life is enough to enamor people uh, the idea <laughs> of some of this ari aster or, or the idea of um what well, we just got done doing killers of the flower moon the idea of um seeing the crime story from the crime side and trying to tribute this and tribute that like the, the people will will reward concept before the reward execution and well, i'm just not that person do you think – well, that's a good question because you and I are kind of in that weird weird critic category where we fight against – I'm not going to say we fight against like no, the, but we, the norms, we, but we, we, yeah. kind of, we kind of go against the tide a little bit with stuff. We do. And I'm wondering, I, like, are we reviewing it with that kind of cynicism in us or like, – I, I, I like I mean, to this think was, it's the opposite, like – and I, and not to like borrow a line from Aaron White and our friend of feeling film, but like I, I need, I need execution before I, I'll say it. I need execution before I need concept. I've seen a thousand yeah, fucking good ideas that are just that go nowhere because they're just all there. It's an idea, nothing more. They can't form it. They can't flesh it out. They can't perform it. And then I'll see a thousand really shitty, dumb movies that have, that don't have great ideas, but you know what? They move the hell out of us. Like, from I watched Trolls Band Together today, the third Trolls movie, which is daffy as shit, but by goodness, is it fun? Um, we're going to talk about yeah. the Marvels, where that, that, I mean, on its on the surface, the concept of it is probably yeah. dumb, but you know what? Yes, it's yes. fun. It's well executed. There's something to get you going. It's escapism, and not that the Kevin Woods doesn't doesn't has zero escapism. There's plenty of things to kind of sure, dive in and go. Sure. Hey, I'll spend some time in this universe. Take me down the elevator. Let's go. But um, but then we're back to the leaps and misses compared to a really, really good concept. So, well, it is a tough battle because I, and we'll talk about this when we do the Marvels. I don't know when that episode will drop before or after this, but, yeah. but um, when it came to the Marvels, I, I, I definitely liked the feel more than the story. So I can be forgiving Same. on a feel. Like yeah. if I feel a certain way, like if I feel like I'm being moved a certain way or pushed a certain way. Um, I'm a little bit more forgiving. So sometimes I can, I'm okay with a story failing. I just think like with this, yeah, because, because it's, I don't know, maybe because it's so self-aware of how meta it is and how Mm -hmm. much it's deconstructing that I don't get a good feel. Like I think a lot of like, like when you watch, and I, I'm sorry, I keep bringing up Jordan Peele, but he's my second favorite filmmaker. I think it's the right place to compare here. Like when you, when you watch get out or us, yeah, you are. You're never taken out of the horror film itself. You Agreed. are just. You're getting commentary on it while experiencing it at the same time. Yeah. This, I think, is just too self-aware. Like Scream is the same way. Like the the great yeah. thing about Scream, the the wonderful thing about Scream, and the great thing about Wes Craven's New Nightmare right before it. And that's the reason why both of those films are in my top eleven all time, is because. It has the ability. Well, think about it. Get out, us, new nightmare, and scream are all in my top eleven mm-hmm. all time. The, I think the reason why they're so successful 
is like I said, they're they're commenting on it, but still keeping you in. Like you, you never feel like you're outside the movie looking yeah. in because you I've, still care about the characters. You still care about yeah. what's happening to them. You still feel tension. You still feel fear. Sure. Um, and and the great thing about those two is they embrace they embrace the tropes that still work. Tropes in themselves sure. are not bad. No, like, that's why that's why they're tried and true. That's why they're right. tried. So, so like Scream, for example, like would dispel with one thing, but yeah. then continue another, and yeah. and it, they just knew the right the right way to hit it. It was like it was like yes, we're not going to have you know Rose Rose McGowan is going to say out loud, I'm not going to be or what, what do you call it? Um, uh, Nev Campbell's going to say, like, I'm not like the big-breasted Dumbo that runs up the stairs instead of yeah. going out the front door. And then she does the exact thing. You know and, yep. you, and you know, but based in that context, like, you weren't – it wasn't because they just wanted a big-breasted bimbo to go up the stairs. Like, in the reality of that film, it was the only option she had. Like, it, it mm -hmm. made sense. Like, these yeah. mechanical things made sense. Well, here. She, yeah. I'll play a slippery slope counterexample where – for me, it's concept and questionable execution, and I'll use your boy. It's Jordan Peele and Nope. Okay, where, fair enough. Where, yeah. like that that movie is rife with concept and very good ones. Like I'm, like the idea of like uh, an alien hanging around and being around, and and just the, the, uh, they bring you in. But like that movie, I that movie is what you're describing for me at least, where I'm sure, sure. I'm pushed out of it. Where like. All right, like shit falling from the sky. Like, okay, your dad was killed by a nickel. Too bad, so sad. And then, then like, what, but then we have this, well, and we have that, and, like, and we have the yeah. the rug pull, bait and switch scare in the stable. And then, obviously, it, it, it by the time we get to the end, at least for me, all that's left is an unfurled satin sheet in the sky. And like, it, it's, and I think we talked about it on the show. We're like, yeah. I, I'd rather watch the Steve Yoon version of that story than the sure, sure. than the than the other version of the story. Um. So, um, but like it, where, or like, what are we doing with the monkey in the shoe? And then have that be kind of hanging out there as yet another concept on top of the concept you're really spending time on where I question that that's a slippery slope example for me you. where, where, yeah. and, and again, there's critics upon critics that will just falling over that movie. We're like, Hey man, just like look me. at it. it look, <laughs> and it's okay. No, no, no. Like, um, but like, but, but that's a place for me where I see concept first. And pretty good execution, but not all the way. Because well, yeah. it's almost like the execution has to at least make up match, for it a little bit. match or make up for how much concept are you biting off? Well, like if you're biting, yeah. if you're biting off a small concept, but your execution is phenomenal. Uh, here, Jurassic Park, dinosaurs on an island, loose. Not a thick concept at all. But right, right. my goodness, look at the execution. You know, um, well, two two yeah. things about Nope. I'm going to do it on a micro scale and a macro scale. Gotcha. Micro scale, the coin falling and hitting his father, and when you look at their, it's a metaphor because of if you look, course. if you look but, at their place, yeah. no, it's the token. The token yeah, killed the black guy. Anyway, yeah. but no, no, uh, that's another one where it's my of the three. It's my least favorite of the three, and sure. that's not saying much because I adore it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I agree with you that that is one that is more of a feel for me. Like mm -hmm. I feel like what he makes me feel internally with the presence in that movie, the the feeling of it, the the, the atmosphere of it does yeah. make up some ground where the story is lacking. I okay. will give that. Okay. So that's one where 
yes, I don't think the story is executed as perfectly as something like a Get Out or an Us, but I think when you look at the influences of what he's doing, kind of mixing Carpenter and Spielberg, especially with yeah. Jaws, uh, even a little Hitchcock, and and putting that in it, you know, with his own spin, just yeah. kind of that gets me over the tide and forgets yeah, yeah. the story elements. Um, you know, I, I I have given films five stars before that I think make some really weird story choices, but because they swung for the fences or because the execution is so good, you know, um, you know, that tips me over the edge. So when it comes to nope, as your example, I get it. I get it from your, yeah, from yeah. my end, there's the execution is a little bit better. I think, I think it's a little bit better than how you see it, but I yeah. can see what you're saying. Like I, I can look at it from the outside. Like I showed my, like my daughter, for example, like, um, She's yeah. 14. Well, she's four, she's 14 now. And I, I showed her all three Jordan Peele films. She loved them. She loved get out. She almost loved us and she did not like Nope. And I think that's, I think at that point, if you're looking at Peel, you're going from that general mm-hmm. appeal to you're starting to get to the niches. You're starting to get to the fans like me are yeah. going to be more forgiving than the general public. Of you course. Know? No. And, and he, and maybe we're at experience where we're talking about with cabin in the woods, where, by the time we get to nope, we we know we know Jordan Peele enough to be like, all right, we can. I don't want to say give him a pass because we've talked on this show about not giving Scorsese and Eastwood and huge Titans a pass, um, even Steven Spielberg passes. But um, but no, like once you get to once you get to nope, you know Jordan Peele enough to go, hey, he ain't gonna fuck this up. Like he might not all the way get everything tackled and done, but. His ex, his, what execution he puts in will be good. Will it be enough to counterbalance concept? That might be the question that some people come have coming out of it, like I am, where, like you said, by the time you pile Carpenter, Spielberg, uh, you know, and two other filmmakers of homage in the same wheelbarrow, that you you better have heavy lifter on the other end. But for like Kevin in the Woods, though, like yeah. you've got this kitchen sink of every mythical crazy creature you can get to, yeah. and and that's too much concept in night in like you said in eighty nine minutes of time to really give enough execution to do any of it justice other than uh than the last 20 minutes of crazy kills from well, a unicorn on down to snakes and whatever like it's but that's what that's what maybe surprises. that movie, crazy thing is maybe that movie needs 20 more minutes i know we never talk about movies that need more time but no, sure i think movies you know, need more time sometimes yeah. no I, and i think that um that's the th- and I think that's the point I was making in the beginning is yeah. whether you're watching it in 2011 or watching it in 2023, I just think it's bad timing on both. I think that I those agree. tropes were not ready to be deconstructed in 2011, and I think we've seen it done better since in 2023. So mm-hmm. it kind of feels like it's lost in time. Like yeah. I said, we're the minority. People seem to love this thing. I yeah. just – I don't know if that will color – my view on it just because it was it's so loved i mean i felt the need like i had to watch it i, I, I will, think yeah you know what i mean like i was like i gotta watch this because I, I you know every now and then it happens with the movie where you sit down and you go i have not seen this yet i gotta see it you know like yeah i, I think this was one of those and i was like hey it's halloween i think oh. someday if and i know drew goddard's i mean if we're, i mean not to steal from the big picture podcast but if sure. we're doing apex mountain it's mm-hmm. the martian you know, just being a screenwriter. Sure, sure. But um, and he's got another uh, Andrew, you know, Andy Weir book. He's trying to adapt along the way because it was what five years, six years since he between The Martian and and uh, Battle Battle of the El Royale and stuff like that. So like, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. not exactly turning movies out as fast as Jordan Peele. Was. So someday, if he makes the next big thing thing, um, and and of course Hemsworth keep doing what he's doing, where this will always be in the 
the bibliography of Hemsworth and it'll always hopefully someday be in the bibliography of Drew Goddard. And sure. I feel like if this movie had one, if, if it had one more star emerge from it, like yeah, just like, like, well, take a look at what Hemsworth made that same year. But the original, like look at Red Dawn, like oh, Red Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, his Red Dawn is not much, you know, not, no great shakes, but like the Red Dawn of old, like you've got Jennifer Gray, Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, like you've got some, You've got some old bibliography roots there that will always kind of be in the, well, you got to see this because, you know, if you're crazy for Swayze, you're going here. If you're, you're like, <laughs> it's just required history. Sure, um, sure. And Chris Hemsworth is a star now that has a level of required history where fanboys are coming here, you know, and they'll yeah. see, they'll see it. Okay. Chris Hemsworth. And maybe along the way, they'll be like, Hey, who's, who's Frank, you know, who's Frank Franz. And, you know, I mean, did that Connolly girl ever turn out to do anything or, you know, oh, look at Bradley Whitford before Nope, and you know, and Richard Jenkins, of course, is an Oscar nominee, and a zillion things, and and oh, that Sigourney Weaver lady, we all loved an alien, and maybe it'll be a cute little niche thing, but because nothing kind of capitalized from this movie, like, and I'm not saying it had to be franchised up, but like, no, 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 no second sequel, no big groundswell web movement, or or no, you know, miniseries to follow up, but like, it didn't go anywhere, which is probably going to keep this as being the Hanover street of, of Chris Hemsworth biography. <laughs> like, like, well, like the way but we open up. This, good. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, like, but no, like when we did Harrison Ford in the deep dive and we opened up like, Oh, this was on his resume and it's got a, a little of this, a little of that. That's mm-hmm. about as far as we got with, with that for Ford. This might be as far as we get for that with Hemsworth. So. Oh yeah. I mean, Hemsworth's interesting because they tried to make him a star and there's all this stuff in between all the Marvel projects that were either huge box office bombs mm-hmm. or just didn't take off. I mean, I think his most successful, would you say his most successful non-Marvel project was rush rush or Ron Howard? Cause yeah, he did, he did black the- hat, which lost like $80 million. Yeah. He did that Ron Howard movie with the whales. That was a yeah. huge bomb. The female ghostbusters did okay, but it didn't exactly yeah. launch. He was the best part of it. It was easily his, the best part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot about that, but yeah, it, it seems like he's yeah. been like they, you know, that happens all the time. They try to, uh, we're seeing it right now. I hate to agree with Byron Lafayette on anything, but yeah. you know, like that, that girl, Rachel Zegler from, uh, yeah. you know, West Side uh, Story, right? West Side Story. They're trying to make her the next star. And I don't yeah. know if it's going to work because we got Hunger Games and Snow White, right? Hunger Games, Snow White, and she was in Shazam, the last Shazam. Oh, so, that's right. Okay. So, I mean, I, you don't. I don't know. Well, well you know, what, so. what is, what is, Hey, what, at what level is it? Hey, you're, you're you've, you've got, you know, you've been pimped. You've, you're, you're doing good. You've been, you've made a hit. Let's get you some more material versus shove you down throats. You know, like, cause the shove down throats thing is probably more like, um, Oh, it's like Vince Vaughn. Like Vince Vaughn did swingers, yeah. took a real big swing with, Psycho, Psycho, and then yeah. just and then we had it. We had him shoved down our throats, where he just tried too hard yeah. with like domestic disturbance and some. It took it took wedding crashers to him. Like no, just play just play Trent for it, swingers again. Unfortunately, as a divorce attorney and ha- or old school, old school and wedding crashers brought him back. Unfortunately, but, um, it happens more with women. I think than ooh, like, you're can, so right. I, I can think of like all the next quote unquote it girls that so they tried to push like. Like you remember Gretchen Maul? Like she was like she yeah. was the one that was like, okay, Rounders. she's the next thing. Yeah. You know, Gretchen Maul's the next thing, and then uh, Samantha I'll give you a Mathis. Huge one. Samantha Mathis is the next yeah. thing, and yeah, I'll give you a huge one. Like, look how hot Rachel McAdams started. That was the Notebook and Mean Girls the same year. Wedding yeah. Crush was the next year, and I know she's been Oscar nominated in something like Spotlight years later, but like 
she's under 40 and not doing <laughs> yeah, shit they, right now. Like, well, they try to be Julia like, Roberts, you know? Yeah, like Gretchen Maul, Samantha Mathis, Rachel Zegler, they'll, they'll have work. They'll, they'll be working yeah. actors. But, like, yeah, like Rachel McAdams, they were trying to make her the next mm-hmm. big movie star. And oddly enough, like, it's kind of funny because – uh, of Mean Girls, it was like first Lindsay Lohan they tried to do it, then then it was her yeah. and Rachel McAdams, and then it was also uh, what's Amanda her name? Seyfried, um, yeah, Amanda Seyfried. So like, it definitely happens with women more. I mean, I, I've seen True. there's been some males got, I could think of. Like, what's who is the guy that was in Office Space? Um, Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston. They tried to make Ron Livingston a thing for yeah. a couple of years. Like they you know put him on Sex in the City. Yeah, and I could just never get into him. Um, well, he didn't have um, John Hamm that... is one I think John yeah. Hamm's one that like yeah. he just had he was so transcendent on TV manly. yeah and, but then he just could never like I never feel like that guy has no. ever found the right tone or the right picture I I've only seen him in one picture that got all of John Hamm right well two um the small part in the town where he's just an ass kicking me yeah, yeah that's cool. fair enough I, but it's a supporting role and then um but fletch the the fletch remake that happened last year mm, he's perfect. okay i didn't see he, I he's didn't... goofy enough he's slick enough where yeah. that that's that's chevy chase light at least but by I mean, 2023 standards that's what i'm saying I no for, one saw it you know so for every for every guy i think that they try to push it well like we, i think of a hundred yeah. women that they've tried oh, to women know. are the yeah women get it the worst now margot Robbie's the lucky one right now where like because the wolf of wall street was damn near 10 years ago and well yeah she's, she she could have easily been aged out of being the hot girl but barbie will mint her for i'm sure she's timeless now I well mean, it's, that, it's interesting it's interesting too when you talk about that we'll talk about this in the marvels too but you know brie larson kind of went from being like the indie darling that could have yeah. been the next big thing and then she wasn't a big thing and everyone yeah. seemed to hate her for it i know and it's just not working out for her anymore i mean yeah. you know like She's in Fast and the Furious and Marvel movies, and uh, no one likes her. Like no, it's crazy. I, I don't get it ever, but uh, yeah. that's another show. So yeah, well, it, it goes with every. I mean, there are some that are the it girl for a while. Like Kira Knightley used to be on in everything. Oh like, yeah, she's she, did. The, she was two time Oscar nominee. She was in like every movie between two thousand three mm-hmm. and two thousand eight, and then and a range too. Like she did yeah. the costume drama stuff, the indie stuff, and then obviously the big stuff. You know. Yeah, and then she just kind of—I mean, she's a working actress. She's in lots of stuff still, but yeah. she's not Kira Knightley as we knew her. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Yeah, the stars fade a lot quicker. I don't know how we started on this. What were we talking about in relation um, to this? Hem- oh, Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Like yeah. this would be a like I said, this would be a footnote on the Hemsworth biography. You know, so yeah. Oh yeah, this is something that. Yeah, I, I, I to be honest with you, that was one of the reasons why I watched it. I, I was like, okay, only, it's, it's great, re- but yeah, I like yeah. Hemsworth. I think yeah. Hemsworth is a really good actor. I think he's, um, I man, I he's not a chameleon, but, but I think he's an no, excellent. I think he's an excellent. He needs he needs like a Will Smith thing of either his own big tentpole that isn't black hat and isn't weird, or he needs to he needs Hitch because that guy's charisma. Like, give him a rom-com. And I know we don't make rom-coms like we used to, and they definitely don't get big screen money. But, like, give that guy just someone to just dote on because he's so fucking charming. He is. Like, he is. He I think he's got, he's got great comedic timing, and I do yeah. think he can really tap into the emotional stuff. I'm not saying, like, he's sure. an Oscar-winning but, actor, but I, I think he's above average for yeah. a... For a but, we'll for never, a but we'll never see it because those movies just don't get made, which sucks, so. Yeah. yeah. It would just keep making Extraction 7, so, yeah. 
Those are fucking awesome movies, though. Too. They <laughs> are fucking yeah. really good. Uh, but I mean, but like, <laughs> but but I mean, every time Evans tries to do his teammate, every time Evans tries to do something a little different, no one, it's not well received. Every time he tries to do a yeah. big thing like the Green Man, it's not well received. Like, I don't know. And and same thing with Evans. Like Evans is charming as fuck, but I think it's because like compared to the Hanks and the Cruises of the generation before them. They don't have that rom-com slot because like even Michael Douglas made American president, even Michael Keaton made multiplicity like and Mr. Mom, like all these studs don't have a place to be a charming attainable stud. Ryan Gosling's found it between he had crazy stupid love, which was a, you know, a cult classic at this point. And then Barbie has minted him as a romantic stud for life. And then he had the notebook, you know, like he's got got that uh, new, um, David Leach movie coming out where he's like a stuntman and it's like a romance action yeah. espionage like, thing. Like so. He'll seek it out, but like for whatever reason, we can't get Chris, 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 or Chris. Uh, Pine's the same way. Like we don't get a good Pratt, Pratt's we don't, the same way. Yeah, Pratt Pratt hasn't had a good rom com because like Passengers was not gonna be that. Chris <laughs> Pine, Chris Pine's charming as fuck, but he doesn't get rom coms and maybe he's too aged out at this point. Where yeah, I, we, we're missing a genre that would normally show um cross-curricular so to speak stars and we don't have that anymore it's action or bust yeah and we'll talk about that with some other stuff in yeah. future episodes but we yeah. better uh, wrap this up for sure uh, for the sake of the audience and for our editor um any final <laughs> thoughts on no uh, we covered it we're good uh, do your thing man yeah no so uh don't watch it guys uh i don't know watch whatever you want it's just uh it's not going to be recommended on either side by the cinephile history crew um, all right, folks, we have merch from shirts to stickers. Find some very sweet Cinephile Hissy Fit swag on tpublic.com slash user slash Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, the shirts are awesome. They fit great. I'm a bigger gentleman, and I don't like tight shirts. And sometimes when you order online, um, you're never you're never sure what you're going to get. But Don actually got me a shirt for my birthday, and I still wear it every day, and I love it. Not every day. I wash it. Don't worry. But uh, it's comfortable, and I like it. So... Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit, on Facebook at Cinephile Hazy Fit Podcast, and Instagram at Cinephile Fits. Find both of us by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are charter members of the Independent Film Critics of America. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 